Good morning. And welcome on this beautiful Sunday in spring. Uh, just a reminder, if you are parked on the street and you don't have one of these on your dashboard, I'm going to encourage you to do it now because the red shirts are out in force. And if you do get a ticket, I can't vouch for you after this. <laughs> so uh, they're right in the back on the table and we'll take care of that. Also, before we begin our service this morning, uh, we do celebrate our high school graduates. So it's a congratulations this morning at last to, where's, where did Aubrey go? Aubrey. So congratulations to Aubrey Costello on graduating this week. And also Kiki Cowie, who is graduating this afternoon from Prout. So, and then finally, before we get an announcement to the congregation, uh, I was informed yesterday evening of a loss in the parish. For those who remember, longtime member and uh, lay Eucharistic visitor, Linda Farr, she passed away yesterday afternoon. Uh, funeral arrangements have not been made. We will keep you posted through the ENET and or just through an e-blast once um, arrangements are completed. So on that note, I invite people to please stand as you're able and join us in singing hymn 401.
service of Holy Eucharist, Rite 2, begins on the front page of our service booklet or on page 355 of the Red Prayer Book. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. From whom all good proceeds, grant that by your inspiration we may think those things that are right, and by your merciful guiding may do them, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. A reading from the book of Hosea. Thus says the Lord, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their distress, they will beg my favor. Come, let us return to the Lord, for it is he who has torn, and he will heal us. He has struck down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the showers, 
like the spring rains that water the earth. Oh, what shall I do with you, O Ephraim? Oh, what shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have killed them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. The promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel or sequence hymn for this morning is hymn 393. It's found in the blue hymnals. I invite everyone at this time to please stand as you're able and join in singing hymn 393. 
Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, for your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. What is righteousness? It's a good question. Especially in light of the fact that we are told that we are saved and granted and promised eternal life through the grace and mercy of the cross. So what then makes one righteous? If we define righteousness, it is simply defined as being in right 
relationship with God. But what does that look like? How do we know it when we see it? In today's reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, he is grappling with that question. What is righteousness now that we no longer are held to the strict standards of the law? What does it mean to be righteous as a Christian person baptized and full of grace? And so Paul, in today's letter, tries to answer that to the congregation in Rome, which, according to historians, is a mixed congregation. A congregation of those who were raised up as Jewish, and a congregation of those who came to it as Gentiles. And so you can only imagine the battles going back and forth over who was righteous and who was not, how to live, how not to live. Does it sound all that different from today? How many of us have a list of what we're looking for to check off, not to determine whether we are righteous or I myself, but to make sure everyone else is, right? That external reality. So Paul, in his explanation to the Romans, has to find an example to talk about that predates Torah, the law. And so he raises up Abraham as an example. Why is that? Because Abraham was deemed as righteous by God before the law existed. If we go back in our biblical history, we are reminded of the fact that Abraham was called by God at an advanced age of 75 to become the father of a great nation with his wife Sarah, who at an equally advanced years, equally advanced in years, had lived her life as barren and unable to raise children. So the question that we begin to ask ourselves if we go back to Genesis is, how did God know that Abraham was truly righteous? My suspicion is if we were to look at Abraham and Sarah's resume in terms of relationship and righteousness, it probably would not look all that different from anybody else's. Did God choose Abraham and Sarah because they had the potential for righteousness? Did God somehow know that when presented with basically the impossible, they would leave family and friends behind to strike out on their own to grow a great nation? What is then righteousness? What makes Sarah and Abraham righteous? 
And as we read through Paul, what we find out is what made them righteous before God is not about necessarily behavior, because as we follow the Abrahamic saga, we'll find out that Abraham was not exactly the best of husbands when he willingly gave over Sarah in Sodom and Gomorrah as his sister so as to preserve life and limb. And that Sarah and Abraham weren't exactly too sure on this promise of Sarah bearing a child at 80 or 85. And so Abraham being offered Hagar to be his concubine, to produce a child. What makes Abraham and Sarah righteous from Paul's perspective is not that they were perfect, not that they were made righteous by the law, but by their steadfast love of God and their loyalty to follow God wherever God led, even when the promise of God seemed impossible and unlikely. We heard in Hosea, what does God demand? Not sacrifice, but steadfast love. This is what made Sarah and Abraham righteous before the Lord because they were steadfast in their love of God and their trust that somehow God would in time fulfill God's promise to them. This is, the, this is the answer, or the definition that Paul carries to us through his letter to the Romans. And it's not all that different than what we had been hearing these last few weeks during Easter season from Peter. Because let's not forget, in our reading from 1 Peter, almost every single week, on a number of occasions, he talked about suffering. He talked to a persecuted church, just like Paul is talking to a persecuted church, that is undergoing suffering, not for their behavior, but for their faith. And their constant words to their people is this. Remain steadfast in your faith. For the suffering of this time is but for a short while before we get to the glory. Paul, in chapter 8 of his letter to the Romans, reminds them that as this world is going through labor pains of transformation, and all that goes with that, to remember that through it all, Hold on, because nothing, not even death, can separate us from the, law, from the love of God. Hold on to that reality. Be steadfast in your trust, for God will for fulfill God's promise to you. <coughs> and is that any different than Paul's final words to Timothy? In his second letter, as he is facing execution, Paul looks back and realizes 
Maybe he too, despite his years as a Pharisee, despite his mistakes and imperfections, attained righteousness because he has fought the good fight. He has run the good race and like a libation is about to be poured out. But the victor's crown of righteousness, of eternal life, stands before him just on the other side. It is through the trials and tribulations of this life, through the persecutions and the hardships of being faithful and steadfast in our love for God, that righteousness is forged as if through a refiner's fire. And is this all that different than how John explains to us who Jesus is and how his act on the cross gave us the opportunity for right relationship, grace, and salvation? For as I tell congregations on Good Friday, the tension of Good Friday is not about will Jesus experience resurrection on Easter Sunday, but will Jesus remain true and faithful and trust in the promise of that resurre- resurrection all the way through death itself. What are John's final words for Christ on the cross? Not, my God, my God, why, has you, why have you forsaken me? But simply, it is finished. The job complete. The doors of salvation are now opened. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is steadfast love of God. Even in the worst of times, when everything seems lost and in points of complete desolation and darkness, our willingness to hold on, continuing against all odds to believe that God is faithful, that God will come through on God's promise to us. That promise of salvation, of eternal life, and the kingdom for which we pray. Amen. Please stand and join me in affirming our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he was buried. In the fourth 
the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Church of God, that it may be filled with truth and love and be found without fault at the day of your coming. We pray to you, O Lord. Lord, hear our... For Michael, our presiding bishop, for Nicholas, our own bishop, for all bishops and other ministers, and for all the holy people of God, we pray to you, O Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For all who fear God and believe in you, Lord Christ, that our divisions may cease, and that all may be one as you and the Father are one. We pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the mission of the church, that in faithful witness it may preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. We pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who do not yet believe, and for those who have lost their faith, that they may receive the light of the gospel. We pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the world, that a spirit of respect and forbearance may grow among nations and peoples. We pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those in positions of public trust, especially Joseph, our president, and Daniel, our governor, that they may serve justice and promote the dignity and freedom of every person. We pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who live and work in this community, especially those who staff our hospitality industry and those whose work is on the sea, we pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For a blessing upon all human labor and for the right use of the riches of creation, that the world may be freed from poverty, famine, and disaster, we pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the poor, the persecuted, the sick, and all who suffer. For refugees, prisoners, and all who are in danger, that they may be relieved and protected, we pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this congregation, for those who are present, and for those who are absent, that we may be delivered from hardness of heart, and show forth your glory in all that we do, we pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our enemies and those who wish us harm, and for all whom we have injured or offended, we pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who have commended themselves to our prayers, for our families, friends, and neighbors, that being freed from anxiety, they may live in joy, peace and health, we pray to you, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. In our parish cycle of prayer, for Leo and Jeannie Carroll, Kevin and Jana Carter, 
and Walter and Lauren Casagrande, we pray to you, O Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. In our diocesan cycle of prayer for St. Barnabas Warwick, we pray to you, O Lord. Lord, Lord have, mercy. have mercy. For all who have died in the communion of your church, especially Sylvia Brown, and those whose faith is known to you alone, that with all the saints, they may have rest in the place where there is no pain or grief, but live eternal. We pray to you, O Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. Rejoicing in the fellowship of the ever-blessed Virgin Mary, blessed Peter, our patron, and all the saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God. To you, O Lord, our God. And I, at this time, I ask your prayers for the repose of the soul of Linda Farr, and for God's mercy and comfort on her family and all who grieve her passing. We also, at this time, give thanks for all of our young people who are graduating from high school, especially Aubrey, Kiki, Maeve, and Daniel. For yours is the majesty, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, now and forever. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. Please stand. <coughs> the peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us greet one another with a sign of Christ's love for us. Peace. That's okay. Good morning, everybody. My name is Ron Cowie. I am your senior warden. And a um, couple of quick announcements. Um, first off, as you probably have been hearing me say till I'm blue in the face, the church supper is this Wednesday. We're going to have a like, nice baked chicken, some fresh vegetables roasted, and some good surprises. Great fellowship. If you haven't signed up to say that you're coming, that, I mean, do it if you want, but you can also just show up. Like, well, this isn't Studio 54. We, you will be allowed in. Um, and uh, also on the 25th, the bishop is coming, and I've talked about this before. It, it, if nothing else, he is a great uh, sermon homilist. Um, but he's also just a, a really decent human being and someone who it's, we're so blessed to live in such a small state where we can connect with the entire chain of command 
um, religiously speaking, I suppose. And um, he's just a good person to have in your orbit. Um, so there's that. And also on the 27th, the lecture series that we're having, Recognizing and Serving the Needs of Our Community, uh, Hunger and Poverty, Local Needs and Ways to Help. Kate Brewster, the CEO of the Johnny Cake Center, is going to be here June 29th at 7 p.m. If you don't know anything about the Johnny Cake Center, I invite you to look it up. It does amazing work, and it is a charity worth supporting. Now, some, um, I don't know what to call it, we need a lay Eucharist, Eucharistic minister up here, uh, and what that really is, I've done it before, it's not complicated, you just sit there with a the goblet, and you go, <laughs> the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. That's it, like, it, it, don't spill it. Um, <laughs> but we need someone for the communion, just when you're coming up, you can just show up and get on the other side, and that will be great. And Father Craig will show you what to do if you have more questions than what I've just given you with instructions. So there you go. That's, is there anything else? Just um, one more thing to add, and that is for the bishop's visit, uh, Janessa Kent has agreed to spearhead the reception afterwards. We would love people to bring um, baked goods, etc. And so she's coordinating. So Janessa, can you stand up and wave? And um, there she is. Uh, if you can help out, please let Janessa know. Not upstaging anyone, I just want everyone to hear me. Uh, as many of you may know, we've made repeated announcements over the past six months or so that we want to update the parish directory. Now, we had one about 10 years ago with photographs of people, and then we've updated it a little bit, but no photographs. We want to update it with photographs. Shelly LaCourcy, raise your hand, Shelly. And I would like to take your photographs with your name. Now, it's no obligation here. We're not talking about pledging money or anything. If you are an occasional visitor, maybe a summer person, but you'd like to have your name known so people can say hello to you and you know get notices and everything from the church, please see Shelley or myself. We will be happy to take your photograph. We'd like to wrap this project up in uh, two or three weeks. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Susan. And thank you to Lisa Corbesi for reading this morning. Greatly appreciated. Another new volunteer and helper. So thank you to everyone who has volunteered to help out today. On that note, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God.
Our service continues with Eucharistic Prayer C. For those following in the prayer book, it begins on page 369. The Lord be with you. And also with you, lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. God of all power, ruler of the universe, you are worthy of glory and praise. Glory to you forever and ever. At your command, all things came to be. The vast expanse of interstellar space, galaxies, suns, the planets in their courses, and this fragile earth, our island home. By your will, they were created and have their being. From the primal elements, you brought forth the human race and blessed us with memory, reason, and skill. You made us the rulers of creation, but we turned against you and betrayed your trust, and we turned against one another. Have mercy, Lord, for we are sinners in your sight. Again, and again you called us to return. Through prophets and sages, you revealed your righteous law. And in the fullness of time, you sent your only son, born of a woman, to fulfill your law, to open for us the way of freedom and peace. By his blood, he reconciled us. By his wounds, we are healed. And therefore, we praise you joining with the heavenly chorus, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with all those in every generation who have looked to you in hope to proclaim with them your glory in their unending hymn. So, Father, we have been redeemed by him and made a new people by water and the Spirit. Now bring before you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his friends and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, gave thanks, and said, Drink this, all of you. 
This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering now his work of redemption and offering to you this sacrifice of thanksgiving, we celebrate his death and resurrection as we await the day of his coming. Lord God of our fathers and mothers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this Holy Communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name. Risen Lord, be known to us in the breaking of the bread. Accept these prayers and praises, Father, through Jesus Christ, our great high priest, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit your church gives honor, glory, and worship from generation to generation. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the love and knowledge of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Please stand and join in singing hymn 493. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God.